This is the Life at Work Conference Podcast, a production of City Bible Forum. Real workers, wrestling with real workplace issues. With your host, Life at Work National Manager, Andrew Laird. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Life at Work Conference Podcast. Today, we hear from economist Professor Ian Harper, along with a Melbourne barrister, as we discuss what's the point of work. I'm Andrew Laird, and this is the Life at Work Conference Podcast. Welcome again to the podcast, Real Workers Wrestling with Real Workplace Issues. And today we're reflecting on what should motivate Christians in their daily work. That is, what is the purpose of work? Now, when I'm asked about the purpose of work, I often suggest that there are five common things many people are driven by, either consciously or more likely subconsciously. Five reasons why people are likely to get out of bed each day and work. Firstly, there's finances. That is, I work to live. The work itself is not the end goal, but rather it's a means to an end. Uh, The money I earn allows me to do what I really want to be doing. Secondly, there is fulfilment. That is, I live to work. Other things in life might be important to me, family, friends, even faith. Uh, But where I search for my deepest fulfilment in life is through my work. This one is so common today that some suggest that meaning is the new money. We go to work to get meaning first and foremost. A third one is fame. That is making a name for yourselves. And I'll admit that this is what drove me in much of my work background as a journalist. Uh, We weren't in it for the terrible shift work hours or the money, which was fairly meagre. Rather, we were in it for the fame, being recognised on the TV, known on the radio and so on. Of course, this is relevant to every field of work. We can aspire to be known as the best, the most competent, the most impressive in our industry. A fourth motivation can be family. We pursue a certain job, a certain qualification because of how it will reflect for good upon our family. Or on the flip side, we put pressure on our children to get certain jobs so it reflects well on us. So finances, fulfilment, fame family, and fifth and finally, force. Well, that is power or control. The longer that we're in a profession, the the less happy we might be with just settling for middle management. So we work harder and longer to climb the ladder and get into greater positions of power and control. Now, I think those are five common motivations for why many people work. But you know what's common to them all as I've described them? They all have an inward orientation. That is, they're all about what can I gain out of work for me? Now, the Christian vision for why we work is, of course, radically different to this. Uh, Instead of being an inward selfish, what can I get out of work for me? Our purpose should be an outward selfless, what can I give through my work to others? That is the purpose of work for Christians. It is to love Now, to give a practical example of what this looks like, let's dig back into the archives and check out this short clip of economist and Reserve Bank board member, Professor Ian Harper. Professor Harper was being interviewed at our 2020 Life at Work conference, and he explained how love for God and love for neighbour shapes his daily work. Uh, I find that it's quite straightforward. After all, uh, 
as any Christian would do, your first commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Okay, that's common to all of us. The second then is to love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, and an economist seeks to love his or her neighbour um, like him or herself by advising governments in particular about policies that can help to improve the material circumstances of the community, to alleviate poverty, to alleviate disadvantage, to help people to be free of material constraints that bind them. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus is pretty strict about poverty being a bad thing. Uh, and, of course, he doesn't say that wealth is necessarily all that life is about, on the contrary. But neither does he pick on people particularly and say, you know what, you're a wealthy person, you should give all that away. Uh, in some circumstances, yes, he does, because he knows that the person is worshipping that. But wealth in and of itself is not a bad thing. So loving your neighbour by helping uh, governments to behave more responsibly and to deliver uh, basic services that people need, uh, like health and education, welfare services, those systems, the design of them, the way they're administered, there's a lot of economics that goes into running those systems more or less efficiently. People would be concerned about the environment. We need to be, as Christians, stewards of the environment. Well, econ economics has a lot to say about how you can interact with the resources of the earth uh, more or less efficiently. Professor Ian Harper there explaining how love motivates him and shapes his work as an economist. Now, in a moment, I'll be joined by Barrister Ray Turns, and we're going to explore the same question with him, just considering how love shapes his work in a different profession, namely the legal profession. Looking for a great podcast to share with your colleagues? Look no further than City Bible Forum's Bigger Questions, a weekly podcast with a different guest each time, exploring the big questions of life and the impact Christianity has had on their life for good. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at citybibleforum.org slash biggerquestions. Well, welcome back. I'm joined now by Melbourne barrister Ray Turns. Ray works primarily in personal injury law, but also appears regularly in administrative law, employment law and commercial law matters. So welcome to the podcast, Ray. Thanks, Andrew. Now, Ray, first of all, just share a little bit about how you ended up working in the legal profession. What led you down that particular career path? Well, it's a little bit funny because I never had any kind of desire to be a lawyer. So I did arts and law at uni, arts because I was interested in politics and Indonesian, so they were my majors. And I tacked law on the side because I thought, well, arts alone isn't going to get me a job. <laughs> um, and then once I'd sort of been through a few years of uni, I thought, well, I might as well do articles and become a lawyer. Uh, and I did that and started working and found I quite enjoyed it. Um, so I sort of fell into it in a way. Um, and then it wasn't till um, uh, I sort of worked at a firm for a few years and then went in-house for a few years. And then it was only um, after I'd been working in the law for kind of five or six years that I discovered I wanted to work as a barrister and headed down that path. Fantastic. I mean, I ask you that question because it's obviously interesting to hear people's story of how they ended up where they are. But also because in this episode, we're reflecting on the things which drive us in our daily work, what motivates us to, to go and, and do our work and end up in the professions that we do, um, the purpose of our work, if you like. And we're going to come to that motivation of love for the Christian person in just a moment that we explored a bit earlier in the podcast. But before we do, I mentioned uh, those other selfish motivations at the beginning, things like finances, fulfillment, fame, family, force. 
Tell me, do you find yourself most tempted by any of those in particular and how do you handle those temptations when they arise? Well, I think really uh, at different times and to different degrees, I'm tempted by all of those. Mm. So uh, as a barrister, I'm self-employed and it means quite literally my time is my money. And if you're in the happy situation of having enough work available to you, you can just work longer and longer hours and earn more and more money. So um, I am tempted by finances, the first of your Fs um, (laughs) at times. Uh, I think... um, Probably at the moment, the most tempting for me is this idea of fame that you described. Uh, And, you know, being a barrister, you're self-employed, you need to get work from solicitors. To a certain extent, you need a reputation or what you might call a brand these days. And um, so you need some fame. Uh, So that is a a particular temptation um, because to a certain degree you rely on it. Um, Mm. So your question was how do I handle that? Uh, Well, I think it's... um, to do with broad interests, um, spending time in my church community. Um, and this might sound a bit funny, but sometimes doing really mundane things. So spending time mowing the grass around the home um, or, you know, or the church grounds. Um, at the start of last year, my wife decided we were going to get chickens. Um, so, of course, we did. Uh, built a chook house, which is probably the worst-looking chook house in Melbourne. <laughs> um, and, you know, I once a week clean out the chicken poo um now if you, there's any way to sort of keep your fame in check then it's <laughs> it's cleaning out chicken poo i mean it's it's a pretty mundane sort of activity but yeah all these things uh, you know spending time with god and his word I, you know an egotistical christian i mean that's just a oxymoronic so um it, all these things these kind of broad interests um help me keep that temptation in check i think Sounds good. So uh, if, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're wrestling with fame at the moment, we can send them round to your place to help clean out the chicken coop. Bring, bring, yeah, please do. Bring... Vol- volunteers are welcome, i tell you what. <laughs> Helps bring you down a peg. Well, look, Ray... We'll call it the humility activity. <laughs> yes, that's right. Look, Ray, lawyers uh, sometimes get an unfair rap, uh, you know, putting their ethics aside for the sake of a win and so on. But tell me, just... From a Christian perspective, how do you see the law and the legal profession as as, as a good, even God-given part of our society? Yeah, it's a, I see it as an essential part, but more than an essential part, a good part, a healthy part. In the same way that I look at um, teachers or doctors or nurses or any of these kind of serving professions, um, you know, I've been blessed to spend a little bit of time living overseas, not a lot of time, but a little bit of time, and I think when you compare the Australian legal system to some other legal systems you see in the world, which are blighted by corruption um, to a large degree, not that we're free of that, but, you know, to some degree, um, you know, the the law and the legal profession is a really good thing. It's an important thing to be functioning well for our society, um, for a flourishing society. Um, you need a healthy legal system. Mm. So, so it's a, it's a good for a, for a flourishing society. Just taking that the next step further for you as a Christian person, how does that then shape how you think about your work as an opportunity to to love others? In other words, how can the command "Love thy neighbour" shape the work of a of a barrister? Well, about uh, service, I think so. Um, it's kind of stating the obvious to say that as a barrister, I work. Uh, for my clients and I try and do the best I can for them in any particular case when I'm acting for them. Um, But I also, um, you know, as I understand Jesus' teaching on neighbour, it's broader than just 
that and it's all the people I come into contact with. So it's my opponents. It's the witness that I'm cross-examining. Uh, and so loving one over in that situation might mean that uh, instead of you know cross-examining in a, a really rude, obnoxious sort of way, I'm actually careful and respectful and courteous. And I mean, the funny thing about that is that you know, you often get a better result from your client when you're being courteous than when you're being a, a bit of an ass. Um, uh, so, yeah, there, there's some examples of how I um, try and love my neighbour as a barrister. Um, you know, more recently in my career, um, I'd, I've been doing a lot of work for um, people who, when they were children, uh, were abused when they're in the care of various institutions, whether governmental or uh, religious. Um, and I'm acting for the... the now adults but then children uh, and that work you know it's really easy to see how my work is loving my neighbor and and contributing to the greater good um earlier in my career i did a lot of work for insurance companies and and they're the sort of ones that get a bad rap you know you referred to it as unfair rap which was good of you i think um but you know they're the kind of lawyers that get a bad rap in you know film and literature and that sort of stuff um and i think even in that situation you're still loving your neighbor you're still fulfilling an important role in the legal system as a, a small cog in a big wheel, um, helping to serve others, um, helping to bring it about an appropriate outcome for whatever particular claim you're dealing with. So all of that is is loving your neighbour, um, working to the best of your ability as a, a lawyer, or in my case, a barrister. Mm, mm, I love the way you uh, think broadly in terms of neighbour there and how that then overflows into not just the way that you're seeking to serve your clients, um, but but everyone that you in, encounter, and um, as as you say, it uh, can sometimes lead to actually a better outcome and better result, which uh, which leads me to my next question. In some ways, that some might think, you know, if I put the interests of others before my own in my profession, you know, I'm going to get left behind. Um, has that been something that you have feared, and and how do you address that? Yeah, it has been something I feared. Um, and maybe a little bit more when I was early on in my time at the bar. I'm, I'm now seven years in and fortunately I've got plenty of work coming in, which is great. Um, but I was given some advice by my mentor um, when I was early on, uh, who's a wonderful Catholic woman, and she said, you know, we've each got to just run our own race as a barrister. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't worry about the fantastic briefs in the high court that others in your cohort are getting. Just, just you know, build your own practice and worry about that. Um, and that was really helpful, and I think that helped me not try and kind of, you know, push my way to the front of the crowd uh, or kind of stand on others. Um, so, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a, a room coming up, some chambers that were available, and the way it works with your chambers, which is just your office, we call it chambers because we like to be fancy, <laughs> um, and a, a bigger room became available, and, and there were two of us who applied for it. And I knew the other guy; I was friends with him. Um, I was a bit more senior, so I was entitled to the room. Um, I decided, no, nah, I'll, I won't take the chambers. I'll, you know, give him a chance. Um, and I think that was one of the times that I was, um, you know, my better angels were were on top of my demons in that instance. Uh, and I was listening to my mentor. I think uh, in that example. Um, but you know, like you were saying before, or you picked up on before. You kind of, um, it, in, in a funny way, it's a better business practice or a better business model to not be a self-promoting, um, you know, sort of egotistical kind of person. Mm. Um, it, you know, you endear yourself to others much more if you're not um, blowing your own trumpet all the time and trying to 
jump on top of others to get to the top of the pile. Mm. Um, mm. Look, just one final question. You've spoken about loving your neighbour in terms of the, the people around you, the people you're serving, the people that you're cross-examining in your particular field. But you mentioned earlier on how you see law as a, as a good and as an essential thing for the, for the flourishing of our society. Maybe can you unpack that a little bit more in, in terms of loving neighbour? I mean, how, how do you see those things coming together, seeking to, to uphold law well um, in a way that, that for the betterment of others and the betterment of society? Well, fundamentally, law is about sorting out, well, the civil law is about sorting out disputes between individuals or companies or both. Uh, and you need a fair, just and reliable legal system to have all those things happening. And um, when people are loving their neighbour, when they're serving others rather than putting themselves first, that system works at its best because the people trust each other and things get done efficiently. So your legal system is at its best when people are not self-serving but they're interested in serving their clients in being honest and upfront with the court when they're um, not making stupid arguments or points but focusing on the real issues in dispute it, it all works together for a better legal system for what i you know described earlier as a more flourishing society um, so the the love your neighbor is really i think fundamental uh, and it acts for a, a better legal system um, when people are aspiring to that norm if not upholding it mm, mm. look Ray thank you so much for that I really appreciate you joining us and just helping us ground this idea of loving our neighbour in the workplace in a in a really practical way obviously in, in your context in the area of law so thank you so much Ray pleasure good to speak with you well look that brings us to the end of episode 6 of the podcast thank you so much for joining us in our next episode we're going to be thinking D and I diversity and inclusion in the workplace uh, for some Christians, such policies are considered a threat, but join us as we explore the tremendous opportunity they can provide for us to put the Christian faith on centre stage in the workplace. We're going to hear from one woman who did just that in one of Australia's largest banks, plus reflections from Australian blogger and author Steve McAlpine. But until next time, I'm Andrew Laird, and you've been listening to the Life at Work Conference podcast. The Life at Work Conference podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more and register for the conference, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference.